Okay. Um, we really, after the last presentation, I sort of felt we should have gone first because we can't match that really. Um, but I just really, we really wanted to show you um, a little bit about what we were doing in New Zealand. And um, one of the challenges for us, of course, is as far as we know, and we're hoping for others, we're the only Janison installation in New Zealand. So for us, it's just us. We're it, and now that we've left the premises, the thing's falling apart, obviously. So um, Welltech, Wellington Institute of Technology, is a polytechnic, very like your TAFEs, except we do teach degree courses as well, and I don't know whether TAFEs here do degrees, but we are a trades-based organisation, huge number of trades, but we actually teach eight to ten degrees as well in a variety of different areas. Um, we have, um, we're located in Wellington, and for any of you who have been to visit our wonderful city, if you look across the harbour from Wellington, that's Petone, and um, the only very, very tall building in Petone is Welltech, and we actually sit on the top of the eighth floor of the tower block. We're very lucky, the boss said, I said, we need to be co-located, and the boss said, find a space. So I found the space with the beautiful views, and they've given it to us. Um, a little bit, um, you know, we just thought rather than have a PowerPoint presentation, we used Janison for a whole range of things and we thought we'll put our presentation in Janison rather than PowerPoint. Um, a little bit about New Zealand, um, using a glossary link. <laughs> um, and we just couldn't, couldn't, you know, given this is the home of the Wallabies, we couldn't, you know, resist <laughs> the All Black score. And of course it will be a full Grand Slam on Sunday morning, so... Um, just a little bit of information there. <laughs> it's okay, we're preparing for the next one. <laughs> um, just a few images of our institution and a little bit of history. Welltech was formed um, three years ago from the merger of two other institutions and um, was renamed it with Tut Valley Polytech and CIT. It was renamed Wellington Institute of Technology. The space that we're using is very cramped now. We've grown out of it. So one of the big thrusts for us, and one we just had a meeting with the CEO before we left and now have a whole lot more work on our plate, um, is about sustainability, about making sure that we maintain the F's numbers we've got in the institution, but actually looking at more flexible ways to deliver it because so, we can't fit anybody else on campus. Um, I think that's probably enough about WellCheck, and um, we're going to... Pauline's going to talk about our toolbox installation. <laughs> Is this um, podium's mics going? Do you just... Hello? No. Oh, well, I'll just use this. <laughs> Hi, thanks, um, Mary. I just want to just talk very briefly about our um, toolbox installation. Um, basically, we just run two um, servers running on... Um, Coming, hopefully. Um, we've got a production and a development server environment running um, SQL Server 2000 on Windows 2000 servers. And um, when we put it in, it really wasn't just a, a technical project. It wasn't just about the infrastructure because until two years ago, there was no e-learning at Welltech at all. Um, there's quite a big distance education movement. We've got about a 1,000 automotive students nationwide, and so we were quite well skilled at distance education, but e-learning was a completely new thing. So there was a pilot project, and um, Mary was the leader of that project, and 
it, it worked out really good and we were able to um, really get down to the nuts and bolts of how we were going to set up the system and there were a lot of people that were really keen to do it and just said, just, you know, get it in and let's just all have a play and, you know, crack on with it and, and we just sort of, you know, stood there with a, you know, stop sign and said, no, we're going to do this right, we're going to structure it properly and we're going to make sure that we think about all the things we might need to do for later on. If we start getting all of this rubbish in the system, we might never get rid of it. So that gave us probably a pretty unjust um, reputation as being really bossy and fussy. And um, everybody sort of acknowledges that, you know, those women are really, really bossy. Um, but probably quite undeserved. Um, we're supporting about 1,200 active users across 61 groups at the moment, and they range really from um, some fully online through to more blended and you know, different, different amounts of virtual interaction. And we've actually um, put different business models in place according to the level of interaction. And so we're going to talk about, about how we have implemented that um, as part of our our approach. So Mary's going to talk about um, some of the other wider New Zealand initiatives. Oh, quite good at the swapping mics, aren't we? Okay. Um, just to, because you probably all know quite a lot about the Australian environment, just to give you a little bit of information about the New Zealand government environment. Um, about two years ago, actually it must be coming up to three years ago, the government announced a large amount of money that they were going to invest in e-learning developments in New Zealand and they made it a contestable fund. And um, all of the institutions, of course, clamoured for this money. Um, but one of the really base principles of this fund was that you had to be collaborating with um, other institutions. It was key. And so um, if you happen to have a collaboration already existing with an institution, then you, you actually were ahead of the ball game. They weren't looking for people to just build collaborations for the sake of building collaborations. And so we actually had a um, relationship... <laughs> well done. In our um, plumbing... Is it going? Yes, it's going now. <laughs> In one of our plumbing courses with the Waikato Institute of Technology. So jointly we submitted a bid for a million dollars to create generic trade training materials. And what we mean by that when we developed it was the issue of where the trades all have to do those base life skills and also things like maths and health and safety. And on the basis of that we got funded, not the million, but $800,000, um, which was wonderful but also diverted us from a very long time from what the Institute's needs were. Given there was only two of us and a small team in Waikato, um, the challenges were huge. The focus was about how we could create learning objects and we were the only people funded to create content. Everybody else was about software development or research and things like that. But how we could create learning objects that actually were generic and you could contextualise them within some form for, other, for the different groups. So... For example, we um, looked at something like teamwork and we've got unit standards which I think are the same as your national standards here. And so we picked some unit standards around teamwork. We built um, content around that and there was a whole process we went through to do that. 
but we made the content as generic as we possibly can. And now what tutors do is they pick that learning object up and they move it and they contextualise it. They put introductions at the end of it, they apply case studies or they apply activities to it and they assess it in their context. And it seems to be working very well. It's early days, but um, we're really pleased. And we're going to just give you a taste of a couple of them a bit later on. Um, the other thing that we've been involved in and I think really needs we need to talk about is the open source initiatives that are going on in New Zealand. There's a huge thrust for open source. And much of that has come from institutions finding things like Blackboard and WebCT far too expensive. And so the government has actually funded a number of um, initiatives in open source, one being the development of Moodle for the New Zealand environment. And while as an institution we don't see ourselves moving, moving, we have actually kept as part of that grouping, because it's really important to keep up to date with what's going on out there so we know what's happening. Um, we participated in it. We built the Maori language pack for the Moodle environment, so we have some experience, gave us some more capability and some experience in those areas gave us some new partners to work with. Um, and just, um, this is one of the Moodle installs, and I, this, you know, this seems a bit traitorous showing this, but it just, we wanted to give you a taste of the thrust that was coming out of New Zealand because Moodle is one of the LMSs chosen by the Ministry of Education in New Zealand. There are two others, but this is one of them. Um, this is, for any of you who haven't seen the Moodle environment, this is one that's being built for primary and secondary schools a little like what was happening in a learning place, that's the sort of philosophy that's behind this as well. So sorry to be a dis little bit disloyal, but I just wanted to give you some context. Now Pauline's going to talk about the um, a couple of other things that are going on. I am. Um, one of the things just leading on from the um, open source area is that uh, we've got a new IT manager and he's really keen on this whole um, you know, free software idea. And we had a bit of a problem um, a little while ago um, with a feature request that we really would like to have had um, in the toolbox. And um, I went to the IT manager and he said, well, you know, what are we going to do about this? And I said, well, you know, I'll get in touch with, um, you know, with the team at Janison and we'll you know, see what can be done. And he kind of, you know, looked really doubtful and he said, well, you know, how long is that? You know, how long are we going to wait for that? And I said, well, you know, it could possibly be available in the next release. And he said, really? And I said... Yeah, and, um, you know, that's one of the things that we've been really able to um, use as, as being able to provide a really good case for continuing to use Toolbox time and time again because of the support, because of the additional features, because of the fact that when you're with open source, you're hoping that, you know, you'll, you'll post something to a developer forum and you're hoping that one of those techie guys that lives on caffeine will eventually post a solution that might or might not suit your installation. Um, but, you know, here with Janison, we know that a techie guy that lives on caffeine is going to find a solution for us. And, um, you know, that's been, um, that has been really, really valuable. Um, when we first put um, the system in, we worried that there might be some issues with the time difference. Um, you know, even though there's a variety of different time differences within Australia, it always happens that when you come in first thing in the morning, there's a problem and something's gone wrong and you think, oh gosh, that team's not going to be there for another two hours yet. And um, there was one week when we were sort of, you know, backwards and forwards in almost every day and um, I was speaking to Carl every morning and um, I said to him, I really need to, to talk to Mick. 
And um, he said, oh, I'm, so, I'm really sorry that he's not in yet. And I said, oh, I keep forgetting about the time difference. He said, no, Mick's just late. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm sorry, Michael, because he's not here. So that was a bit... Um, <laughs> That was a bit rude. Um, But um, just talking about, you know, our approach and and how we decided to set it up. We decided really early on that we we wanted to be standards-based and we wanted to provide as much standards compliance as we possibly could. And we were wrapped that that toolbox seemed to be really caring about the... um, you know, the standards environment as well and not just going off and creating a whole lot of proprietary stuff that wouldn't work across the board, which has been excellent. Um, we went through and we worked out the structure of the system, the way that it was going to be done, and we realised very quickly that, you know, e-learning was something that we had to really prove at Tech, and so there wasn't a lot of money created for it, and um, we don't, you know, we don't have um, a, a budget really um, at all. And so we had to try and find a way that we could create something that wasn't going to require huge amounts of maintenance down the track. And so we knew that we couldn't just keep creating um, pages and let them get all out of control. We had to have some way of being able to, to manage that. And so we got together with the marketing department. We came up with um, an online colour palette that suited the WellTech identity. And then we created um, a a four-style sheet system. And um, we're on um, Toolbox 6.22 now. And because style sheets are so important to us, we were absolutely delighted that the last version has more um, support for style sheets than ever before. Basically, we use a screen and a print um, style sheet that lays out every page. So every page that we have within our system for the layout of the page, so you see there the green background, the white page, um, each of the headings, the context bar at the top, that's all referencing one graphics directory and one one style sheet to lay that out. And then we we have another two for each um, individual learning object or each individual course that dictates um, the way that each of those are laid out, depending on what the the content dictates that we might need. So the custom style sheets really um, control the content in the interior of the page and the the generic ones um, do the other. So here's um, here's our template of the current generic style sheet where we've got, you know, visited and and active links. If we decided that we wanted to rebrand, all I've done here is just change that style sheet. So, sorry for a bit of the the colour contrast, but I thought you might need to be woken up at this time of the day. Um, It means that if we, you know, merge with another institute, or if we want to be able to, as we did, Mary's going to talk more about the GETS project, we had to share all of our content with WinTech, um, Waikato Institute of Technology, who hadn't ever used this idea of style sheets before and using a schema to be able to create XHTML and CSS documents and um, when we did it, it was so simple because we just created all of it, sent it up to them, they swapped out their style sheet, put it into their system and it looks and feels all of the, you know, the colour, the layout, the design is just completely changed. So we found that one of the most valuable, um, one of the most valuable things that we've done really in setting up the system. Um, 
I've mentioned GETS, the generic trade training um, project that we were involved in. And um, we had really just got started in developing our expertise and capability in WorldTech. And GETS pushed us. It was an 18-month project, and it pushed us miles and miles and miles ahead. Diverted us, as I mentioned, from our real work. Um, but it gave us a level of capability that we would never have got in the next 10 years. And so that funding did really help us. We um, worked very hard on using learning objects. Um, that was quite a struggle because our collaborative partners, who won't be here because they run Moodle, um, found that concept very difficult. And um, we spent many, 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 many months on um, a shared space debating what a learning object was. And we never resolved it. Um, and I don't care, because actually I think what we did works really, really well. And that's what I kept saying to them, I don't care. The concept is we've got to be able to move it between systems. It's got to be cross-platform compatible, must adhere to standards. They've got to be able to learn something from it, and we can be able to reuse it and recontextualise it. And that, if it was as simple as that, I was happy with that. Um, one of the other objectives, one of the really big objectives, um, you don't probably have them here in Australia, but we have things called ITOs, the Industry Training Organisations. And they agree, they decide what their industry needs for training and then they contract the Polytechs to provide that training. And as part of the project, we had to engage them in the process and they said, we don't care what the content looks like, we don't care about the pedagogy, we don't care about this, we don't care what it looks like. As long as when the student sits in front of it, they're engaged. And so that was a big thing for us when we were working with, given that we're not traditionally a distance institution, we were working with tutors who had done face-to-face -face all of the time. So we're working with subject specialists who really struggled with that. So I think that we've been successful in some areas and less successful in others, and um, that's a really important thing. The key will be, and it is ongoing, the testing, the key will be if the ITOs say it's engaging, and we believe there are some things. One of the other things, and um, Mark Prensky's already been mentioned today, is that um, we were lucky enough to hear Mark Prensky at the EFES, which is the New Zealand um, e-learning conference, um, speaking about using games for um, learning. And um, it gave us quite a lot of ideas. And so we worked really hard about thinking about game play for some of the subjects. It didn't work for all of them, and we didn't necessarily have the resources because it's an expensive development path. Um, and we had to think really hard about our selection criteria, criteria for selection. And that's impacted about what we're doing in the future, and I'll mention that a little bit later on, but about how we do this. And I don't know if you have the same trouble here in Australia, but our unit standards, you might have one on teamwork, but all of the ITOs, all the industry training organisations go, oh, no, that doesn't meet our needs. We're going to write a new unit standard that's got some of the same things in it, but actually we've got two little other lines in it. And so you duplicate a lot of unit standards. And we bought all of those together in the project. And we actually, rather than focus on building for the unit standard, we built for the subject. And then we said, if you do this, you'll get the unit standard on the way through. So that gave us a lot of tools for development inside as well. Going on to training. Oh. Um, moving on to training, we have a, um, a sort of a just-in-time training approach because we like to give people a bit of a sort of broad overview of what the system can do. And as they come into the system, we sort of just teach them enough to get them started. And then as their confidence grows and as they become more competent with the system and they want to start adding more in, 
um, you know, we, we roll that out at that time. And we find that really, really successful. Um, the other thing is, is that the Learn Zone unit sits within the Learning Resource Centre at Waltech, so it's not aligned with any um, IT function or anything like that. So all of the um, pastoral care and support and the other resource support that they get is um, the lines are very blurred, and that provides quite a seamless um, training and support network for the students um, and for the staff. And so that's that's been um, that's been really good as well. Okay, um, I'm conscious that we've haven't got a lot of time left, so I just want to go in and show you some of the stuff. Um, we did quite a lot of um, setting a scenario and then addressing that, and, and we spent a lot of time identifying the target audience or the students' needs or the tutors or whoever we're going to be training's needs. And um, I just set this one up yesterday. Um, we have a lot of automotive apprentices. Um, they're enrolled at distance. They do workbooks and they post them back to their tutor who marks them and sends them their marks. A great many of them have problems with maths. It's one of their basic issues. And so, um, and we, we know that they don't often have access to computers. They might have their work computer that they can do their warrant of fitness on. We don't have those here, but we do. Um, but they do play games. And so when we were thinking about the needs of these groups, um, and that's what the question is, as a member of the flexible learning team, what would you recommend as a solution for this type of situation? And what we do at WellTech is we sit down with a subject specialist, we sit down with an information designer who's going to do, think about the layout on the screen. It happens to be ours as well, apart from the subject specialist, we do everything. Um, the instructional designer, the technical team, and we sit down as a group and we tackle this as a problem together. And we've found that actually the solutions that we find coming out of that because often the subject specialists will rush to the technology and say, I want to do this, and we want them to think about good learning first and thinking about that first. So we actually work on that sort of. So this is um, one of our GETS modules. This is um, basic maths. When we started out with the maths, we were going to do measurements and calculations. And um, as we started to, to build the content for those with the maths people, we suddenly had these questions about how much knowledge can we assume? And we found we couldn't assume any. So we went back to square one and we said, okay, if these are kids that weren't very successful in school and most of them weren't, what would their needs be? Do they understand about number sense? Do they understand whole numbers? And of course we found they didn't. So we then brought in a maths advisor from the College of Education who worked with us. And so this is some quite basic stuff and I'm not gonna go through all of them. Um, but we work from a base of strategies. If you have this problem and you've got to work it out in your head, and this is teaching them, trying to teach them to work it out in their head, if you've got this problem and you want to work it out in your head, what strategy might you use? <laughs> Turn the noise down. Um, and so each of these are based around a particular strategy. And so just for example, um, one of them is about making tens. So if you've got a number like... Um, 12 and 7, no that doesn't work, 8 and 5, 8 and 5, <laughs> eight and five then you make 10 and 3. And so those sorts of strategies, and those who know maths will know a lot more than, than I do. So that's what we've done. So each of these games is actually based around a strategy. At the very beginning they've got a diagnostics test, they run through that. If they do well in it, it tells them to start at level 2. If they don't, then it's, it says start at the beginning. Also at each level they get, um, because the unit standards said they have to do word-based problems, the very final test word-based, but each level they actually get 
a set of randomly generated questions out of the Janison um, toolbox um, that actually test them on that set of things they've done. So this is one um, which is about them learning doubles, halves and near doubles. Now we tested this. It would be. (laughs) We tested this with um, transition school. This was year 12 students who are not being successful at school. And they started off and they said, oh, this is really easy. In the noise room, we did observation testing as well, and the noise and the level of noise was really high. Oh, this is really easy. And as it went on, the room got quieter and quieter and quieter until they were really focused into it. Um, one of the other things that we, were, we struggled with was um, how do you make this applicable to adults as well without making it too cutesy? We ended up making cutesy. We couldn't solve that problem. So this is our meerkat. Um, uh, if you get it wrong, he rushes off. Um, there's different levels, just like gameplay. Uh, they lose lives. It's different things. They get um, scored. They get scored. They can play, and they also have an opportunity to test themselves as well. And they can go in and out of things. Then they have to decide which are halves. And when they got to near doubles, that really threw them. They just couldn't figure out the near doubles in their head. So this was um, quite fascinating. This is our favourite game. (laughs) We're really pleased with this game. And the kids sit and play this for hours, absolute hours. So, um, and then as they go up levels, it changes to a robot. And they've got to actually put the numbers in. Um, There's a whole lot of other ones. We're not going to have time to go through them. Another one that we did is... The maths advisor said sometimes they just have to learn by repetition. And so we've produced a game which is called Alien Attack, which is about just practising the, um, the different ma- uh, addition, subtraction, multiplication, etc. And we just, you can see there, the games. So far. They've got to put the number in on and it keeps them, you know. The only comment we had was, why aren't the graphics like the PS2? <laughs> okay, we were going to show you some of the other stuff, but we're not going to have time. So we will move on to where to from here for us. <laughs> okay, where to from here. We mentioned the open source movement. Um, huge impact on us. We are part of a group that's looking at um, developing a learning object repository, open source. I don't think they've made a final decision about which tool they're going to use yet. Um, But that's a biggie for us because we've always built for learning objects then having a, I mean, we have a little repository of our own, but we need something better. Um, And so that project is also a collaborative one that's funded by the government. Um, And we just really want to keep a watching brief on that. Pauline, you might want to mention about the virtual learning environment project a little bit. Um, one, of the, one of the big projects in New Zealand, they've just um, put forward um, the phase three for that project, and they're trying to create a, um, this idea of a, of a managed learning environment, and I was really heartened again by what Wayne said about being able to, with interoperability, and it's about getting away from this building a super system that does everything, and just being able to create specialised pockets of information, but being able to share the information for integrity and redundancy's sake, 
And one of the new, um, the virtual learning environment at the next phase is that they're trying to investigate how they can share qualifications amongst the institutes in New Zealand. So seamlessly for the students to be able to pick up without having to cross-credit and do all of that, where all of that happens behind the scenes. For example, um, Nelson Marlborough, which is a really big wine-producing area in New Zealand, they have a polytechnic down there, and uh, they, what they want to solve is, is if you're a student who studies viticulture at Nelson Marlborough and you want to do some management and communication papers, you should be able to go to another institute just to pick up those papers to help to complete your qualification. So they've put a proposal forward to try and figure out what happens with the EFs, how are we going to do this, how is that going to work going back to the ministry. But actually the government have signalled that they are really interested in, in this going forward. They want um, specialist institutions, is what they've basically all but come out and said. So they don't want people, along with all of this push for collaboration and you must work with your partners, um, they want people to operate in those niche areas to do what they do well and to cut the rest of the programs from their curriculum and offer those at another institution. So that will be, I think, you know, quite a big and very, very important project um, coming up. Okay, I know we've run out of time. I um, just want to finish up by saying that our focus in, um, in Welltech for us is the focus on sustainability and e-learning's role in that sustainable um, environment. And what it is, and our CEO has just charged us, so this is really recent, with um, um, she prefaces by saying, I know e-learning doesn't save money, um, <laughs> but creating efficiencies and real opportunities for our students. And we tend to keep, think of ourselves as really not an e-learning unit, but as a flexible learning unit. And as an example of that, we have a um, distance course for um, building compliance officers and, and councils. And... Um, the powers that be said we will have a fully online course for these guys. They don't do any target and audience analysis or anything. Um, so we started out and that didn't work. And so we've actually now advised them and have created for them workbooks. So they have some online material. They do their assessments online. But they're out at the jobs inspecting buildings and they take their workbooks with them and work through them at that stage. So it's about that sort of thrust that's important for us. We also have a large role in the institution, um, Pauline particularly with um, uh, the technical side of things, with the intranet, with the customer relationship management um, processes. I have a library background, so I'm very into the information management and the document management processes. Um, the other big thing that's been a thrust for us is internal collaboration. Um, we were very much an institution of silos. Um, and that has to break down. And so we actually are at right a key point in the institution, having that across different areas interest, that we're breaking down some of those silence and helping with it. And the other big thing for us is we're actually changing internal processes, things like program documentation and TAFEs and, and universities will understand that process. Um, and so that whole internal process stuff is being broken down by us. That's it.